What's going on, family? Welcome to another episode of Family by Heart. I'm your host, Dustin Gruss, and it is a special month, and we're going to get into that in just a moment, but with a special month, you got to have a special guest. And this woman and the group, the organization that she represents has been very special to myself, my wife, our family, and I couldn't go without having them on here, without them being represented, especially for such a special month. So with me today is Ty Cliffel. She's a director of programs responsible for the overall administration uh, programs, including creation, planning, development, coordination, and evaluation of programs and services with the Adoption Network of Cleveland. Ty has served children and families in a variety of settings and is a trust-based relational intervention practitioner. That's a mouthful. And Pathways to Permanence 2 Facilitator. She has also served on the Board of Directors with Adoption Knowledge uh, Affiliates for the past three years. And she is an adoptee herself who has been in reunion with her birth family for over 25 years. Ty, thank you so much for coming on and being here as well as for everything that you and the Adoption Network of Cleveland do for not only our family, but the families of Greater Cleveland and Ohio and the adoption world. So welcome. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be part of this. Well, absolutely. And and again, you guys have played such a big part for us um, in in our role with our our boys. And, you know, I think it goes back to uh, close to a year ago, Dracy, our now four-year-old boy at three, was was just kind of questioning like he we had a moment where we said uh we were trying to get him to have affirmations for himself and you know he said dad i love you i'm like oh thanks buddy i love you too but do you love yourself and it's like no i'm like wait what he's like i'm different my skin's different than yours and we're like whoa three years old, we were not ready for that conversation. So thankfully, my wife reached out to you guys and she talked to Janelle, what's happening, Janelle, and and we got more in sync with things that you guys are doing and some of the different programs and groups have involved. And we're definitely going to get into all those. Um, But we're just so thankful because we've had a lot of fun outings and opportunities with the Adoption Network of Cleveland. So thank you again for all that you guys do there. Great. I'm so glad that you connected with us. That's something that we do get a lot of calls about is, um, you know, our families that have adopted transracially and trying to help their children, you know, feel comfortable and adjust to that. Yep. And again, there had just been so many fun outings, not to mention the fact that we got to uh, meet one of the Cleveland Guardians pitchers at one of the events because of his wife and right. the organization that she represents. And it's just been uh just a lot of fun in the connections we've made with different families. Uh, you guys are doing a wonderful job. But as we start to get in to talk about the adoption of Cleveland, um, let's talk about you for a minute. What is a little known fact about you that someone that looked at your socials wouldn't see or maybe perhaps your coworkers that you've been with at the Adoption Network wouldn't know about you? What's a little known fact about you that people would be surprised to know? Um, well, <laughs> I guess kind of related to Adoption Network and something that probably most people don't know is that I engaged um, with Adoption Network services when I was 19 in college. Mm. Um, 
I found out that there was a tiny support group going on in the basement of a church led by Betsy, who I hadn't met at the time. And I was quite, quite young and wanting to look for my own um, birth parents and, you know, get some more information about my own background being adopted. Um, Mm -hmm. And I walked three miles to this church so that I could get there and uh, meet that, meet them. And it was a really, you know, life-changing experience to be able to learn from, you know, other adoptees and to meet birth parents and adoptive parents and hear their stories and things like that. I felt that that was very impactful to me as I started thinking about, you know, how I wanted to move forward in my own search. Um, And so I've been connected with Adoption Network for almost since its very beginning when I opened up the Mm. records database when I started working here. Um, I found my old college dorm address in there and my maiden name. I wasn't married yet. And I was, um, all of that was in the, in the database as a record from my very first contact with them, which was really, really fun to see. Um, and just being able to know firsthand about, you know, the power of the services that are provided and supporting people. Um, I really feel very passionately about, you know, the, the work that we do and, um, I think it's really been a wonderful experience being able to come on staff and help other people through that process. That's first of all, from 19, that's, that's awesome to hear that you were involved from pretty much the ground floor up. So that, uh, would make sense why your picture is second on the, the page for adoption network at Cleveland behind just Betsy. So, um, and Betsy Norris, of course, being the founder of the Adoption Network of Cleveland. Thing. Now, when it comes to adoptive uh, or adoptees uh, and searching their history and looking for their birth families, um, what kind of preparation goes into, like, or how do you prepare those adoptees for the journey ahead? Because my uh, aunt, I have a aunt that was given up for adoption. It's my dad's half sister. And I remember hearing the stories about when she was looking for, first looking for her family, her brother was also adopted and he was of the mindset, like, why would you want to look them up? Like they, they gave us up. They didn't want us. Why would you want to do that? And you can have those adoption stories go either way, like where, Maybe they were in a tough time and they and they really knew it was the best for the baby. Um, or there's times where they really just didn't want the child to begin with. Like, So how do you prepare adoptees that are designed to look into um, their history and the fact that it could go in so many ways? That's a great question. Um, you know, it's, it's different for everyone. You know, some mm-hmm. of it depends on, I mean, it depends on the circumstances of each of the individuals involved. And so the stories can go, you know, as many unique ways as there are people, um, you know, there's themes for, you know, why people decide to make an adoption plan for their child. Some of them, like in my case, being born in 1970, I was part of what they were called the baby scoop era, which is mm-hmm. where, you know, political dynamics, um, you know, and race and, you know, societal pressures um, led to, you know, a million and a half women placing babies for adoption who, um, you know, it just, the, it was such a shameful thing to become pregnant um, in mm-hmm. your 
family system. You know, it was it was a scandal at that time and very difficult for young girls who became pregnant to even consider parenting their children. They didn't feel like there were even options for such a thing. Um, and so a lot of babies were placed, you know, back in, in that period of time, um, you know, just caving to societal pressures and the needs of the day. Um, and then, you know, more modern adoptions, you know, in present day, there's a lot of open adoptions, you know, where people can know their history or a lot of it, at least from early on um, and everything in between. So mm-hmm. um, you prepare by learning. I think that's really one of the things that we do really well at Adoption Network is work on perspective building because we mm-hmm. do bring all of the um, members of the adoption constellation together. So our, in our support groups, you, you're sitting side by side with other adoptees, with birth parents, with adoptive parents, with professionals, um, siblings, you know, people who are kinship caregivers, anyone can come to these discussion meetings, which makes the discussion really rich. And it really gives you an opportunity Mm -hmm. to get outside of yourself and learn about what other people's experiences are and some of the feelings and thoughts that they've had so that you can, you know, really take that in and have a better understanding of what someone else might be feeling or understand how to have a conversation with someone from a different angle of adoption and really Mm -hmm. be able to do some solid listening and understanding from what another person's point of view might be outside of your own. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it just really, it just opens your mind so that you know what you might find on the other side of that door, because you really don't know until you're there, you know, how it's going to go or how you'll be received or how you'll receive the information. You don't know how you're going to react yourself even, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. nice to be able to, you know, at least pull back some of those layers to the degree you can before you search. And then it's really great to have a place to go after to be with people who understand and get it so that when you're processing all of the feelings that come with a reunion or a search, you know, you can, you have a place to do that, that's safe and with people who understand. And so I think that's essential when you're going through that process. It's just absolutely really important for community. Oh, absolutely. And I can imagine, um, I think, and emails getting ready for this interview, we talked about uh, Simon Ben and his podcast, Thriving Adoptees. Mm-hmm. And I just remember uh, in my interview with him, and then since seeing with him, him talking about the teddy bear that his birth mother gave him um before she gave up her adoption and and he always just thought of it as like her trying to give a consolation prize and like and that he she really didn't care about him and then him finding out later on even in his adulthood that no like she made an extra effort to reach his social worker or the adoption agent representative um, after he had already been taken from her care that she wanted to make sure that he had something from her because she did love him and want the best for him. And I mean, just the amount of therapy that it took for him to get over the different waves of emotions that came with that. And then to know that there's organizations like the adoption worker Cleveland that are helping for every step of the way and find those different perspectives and treat them like that's, I think just priceless to the adoption community. So yeah, definitely. So glad. And we, we talk a lot about it being a lifelong journey and it really is because I mean, your development changes as you, as you grow. Like when I first started looking at searching, 
I mean, I'd been wanting to search since I was in elementary school, if I'm honest. Um, but, you know, developmentally, you're just, you have, to, you have a limited point of view, right? And so as you get older, mm-hmm. you know, and then you become an adult and you're living on your own and then you, you know, get married and then you have children and, you know, what, however your life trajectory goes, with every new developmental milestone came different understanding of what, mm-hmm. um, you know, of family, of children, of what adoption and relinquishment might have been, what, what it was like for other people, like all, that understanding changes. Um mm-hmm. And it also, you know, it just brings up different feelings of, of grief, of loss, of change, you know, things that you go through even, even as an older person in reunion for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really common for people to circle back to different issues around adoption as the lifespan goes. It's nice to have, you know, the ability to process that also, you know, through that support framework with other people who understand. And the, the grief thing, I think a lot of people don't really realize and understand. And that's a stance my wife and I have always taken when it comes to people being nice and sweet, trying to say the right thing, do the right thing and and telling. So those kids are so blessed to have you. They're so blessed. And, and it's like, we get what they're trying to say, but we also make a point to point out to them like, no, because you know, you have to realize that even though they became a part of our family, another family was in ways taken apart yes. for them to become part of our family. So there's still a loss that mm-hmm. came from their birth parents before that, that they were taken from that to become part of ours. So we like to remind people like, well, no, we, we can be a blessing to them. They're not blessed to be with us. They're, the circumstances that they came from is not in any way a blessing. You know, but we can be a blessing to them and they have certainly enriched our lives, but we have to make sure that we are still recognizing the grief and the experiences for other parents to have, the birth parents to have had to go through mm-hmm. to know that, especially the fact that they came through the foster system. I mean, as individuals, we can have you don't know everything that goes on in my life behind the doors of our house, nor do I know everything that goes on behind yours. Being where you are in your stature with the adoption network, I would assume most things are pretty good on, you know, looking up. But when kids are removed from a house in the foster system, things have to be pretty bad for the outside world to know that something is going on that the kids we've removed. So, um, it's just so, again, so many levels and with those different levels, has there been any circumstances with people that are trying to find out more about their adoptive families where you guys have stepped in and said, well, are you sure you want to go forward with this? Maybe this is not the most healthy thing for you to continue going through, or is it, you know, it's their, it's their discernment, it's their decision you know, we're going to help them through and then just help them process whatever they, whatever it is they find. That's a great question. I I think one of our key values is, you know, honesty and openness and, um, you know, respecting people's free will and their, um, their choices and how they want to proceed. I think our role is not to tell someone to do something or not do something, but more Mm -hmm. to help kind of provide information and a framework and, you know, help people have, you know, kind of turn them towards things to consider 
before mm-hmm. they move forward in that, um, you know, and mm-hmm. then you know, ultimately people will make their own choices on, you know, when they think the timing is right or how they want to approach moving forward or not moving forward. We've had people come through the search program who have found their information and decided to never make contact. And we've had people who've, you know, just barreled right on through and didn't want to talk about it at all, you know, and then it just, <laughs> and everything in between, we have people who've really put a lot of thought and consideration in, into it, um, you know, before making a call and, you know, everyone's different in the way that they approach that. Um, you know, sometimes what's on the other side of that door is, you know, not always what we hoped for or dreamt about, or, you know, that we, you know, don't always end up with a great result on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something sometimes we come across, you know, you find a grave, you never do get your answers because the people have passed already. Um, mm. It just really depends. And then there's, you know, some situations where reunion's really great. You know, you get your questions answered, you're able to build a relationship and stay in touch. And, you know, so it's, it's a gamut of things that you can find and everyone mm. chooses individually how they want to move forward with that or if they want to move forward with that. Mm-hmm. Well, the adoptees searching for the families is just one part of what uh, the Adoption Network calls the adoption triad. And Mm -hmm. so I would like you to kind of cover that. But I just want to talk about the special specialness or importance of the fact that it's right now is a time where two powerhouses collide. It's the 35th anniversary of the Adoption Network of Cleveland, and it is also... National Adoption Awareness Month. And again, part of what led me to reaching out to Adoption Network again uh, to do this interview and that you came on was because I saw uh, the Adoption Network had a connection with the Terminal Tower in Cleveland and it was lit up blue for the National Adoption Awareness Month. So let's talk about um, the fact of those two powers. So one, the 35th anniversary and, and how you guys address the adoption triad and then just the specialness of national adoption awareness month. That's, that's good. A national adoption awareness month um, is it's kind of morphed and changed over the years. It started, I believe in my research and just from being a professional in this field for a long time, um, it used to be called and still is in some circles, national adoption month. And it's been, um, you know, some counties and government organizations and um, child placing agencies um, will use it as an event to promote adoption um, and to promote, um, you know, the creation of a family. Um, And there's a tendency in a lot of the ways people will reference adoption is to put it in a form of you know, oh, it's a blessing. Oh, this child's lucky. This is, um, you know, we kind of call it the rainbow and unicorn. Everything's beautiful and wonderful, Mm -hmm. rosy, you know, fabulous kind of, isn't it great? It's an adoption. How happy and wonderful. Um, And make no mistake, kids need people to step up and care for them always, right? So so sometimes Mm -hmm. you do have to step out of a family system to, you know, find a safe place for a kid and some adults to you know, step in and love them and take care of them. That's a, that's always an awesome thing. But like you mentioned before, there's also a lot of loss that goes with that for mm-hmm. everybody involved. There's also, you know, a lot of grief and there's questions and, you know, um, a lot of adoption is created out of loss and created out of trauma. 
And while there are really beautiful parts about adoption, um, flipping it into that National Adoption Awareness Month, that extra A in there is a push from the adoption community to say, yes, this is, you know, we understand that we want people to know that adoptions happen and that good things can come from adoptions, but we also want to make sure that we're realistic in the way that we talk about it mm-hmm. and the way that we acknowledge the different issues around adoption so that people understand that if I'm adopting a child, I need to know that my child has come through some trauma and will have some grief and they will have questions and they'll have identity issues and they'll have things that they have to work through that are unique to adoption. And, mm-hmm. you know, they understand that as a birth parent, you know, they walked away from a child that they gave birth to, and that's a grief and loss for them, you mm-hmm. know, and that our adoptive parents, um, you know, are coming to this, you know, maybe they've gone through their own journey of infertility. Maybe they've gone through some stress and grief and loss and getting to the place of making a decision for how to parent. Um, you know, we don't know what everybody's journey has been, but everybody's come through something to get to that point. And it's, um, mm-hmm. it's important to really be aware that, you know, while there's good that comes from adoption, certainly, you know, there's a lot of other things that, you know, the larger society should be aware of. You know, again, coming back to that idea of perspective building, like we really need to have the larger view on, you know, some of these complex, you know, lifelong issues that come with adoption for everyone involved, Mm -hmm. you know, and how do we support people who've been adopted? How do we support birth mothers and do a good job for them? You know, how do we support adoptive parents so they can do everything that they need to do to support their kids and, you know, really meet those unique needs. And that's where Adoption Network comes in and trying to help with that. And the other part of the triad is the the birth parents and um and how they are what the, the emotions that they go through um and and giving that up and it's just again um amazing what you guys do in covering the whole gamut of adoption and everything that goes into it so um now one of the core values of the adoption network Cleveland is inclusiveness. Uh, and that was important to us when we called again, because of Dracy having the issue of recognizing his skin color was different than ours. Um, now why is it held in such high regard for the adoption network when it seems like so much of the modern world seems to be trying to separate everyone else instead of inclusiveness, it seems like, there's a push from either political or personal or just different areas of belief that, you know, it's, we're a lot of, there's a lot of pulling apart rather including everyone together. Why does it seem like such a large part, a uh, large core value of the adoption network Cleveland? That's the inclusiveness is really important to us a lot of because the adoption it used to be called the triad right and and the different segments of adoption historically have been in opposite corners and there's still organizations right now who and and podcasters and thought leaders who really believe adoptees need to be in their own space and birth parents in their own space and adoptive parents in their own space Um, and while there's places for all of that there's also great benefit in including everyone together because we can learn from each other. We can heal from learning each other's perspectives mm-hmm. and we can really grow to understand ourselves differently and our thoughts differently, our feelings differently. Um, and that's where Adoption Network was founded, was in bringing all these these um, different perspectives together in the same room for learning and healing and growth. Um, so that was the first leg of inclusiveness, but then also um, 
you know, like you mentioned with transracial parenting, we do have a lot of families that are, you know, that are different races and different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the cool things that we do, I think, you know, one is providing support groups for those unique families Mm -hmm. to talk about these issues openly and support each other and support their children and understanding race issues. Um, But we also provide socials and really fun activities so that you're not Mm -hmm. the only family who looks like yours in the room. You know, you can Mm -hmm. go to a place and have, you know, 10 other families who have all kinds of different backgrounds and are all together and can, you know, just relax and, you know, know that your, you know, family is formed through adoption and you're not the only family formed that way. It very normalizes things for kids and for parents Mm -hmm. and gives you community and a place to have safe conversations and feel support. Um, And the socials are really fun. It's a nice thing to do for families where Mm -hmm. we can get out. And like you talked about that earlier, just having, having fun together as a family with other families who look like yours, that feels really supportive and we're happy to be yeah. able to do that. Uh, we have loved each one we've gone to. We were bummed that the kids got sick and we weren't able to go to uh, the Rocket on the Ranch one. That one we were we heard such great things about. But we had fun uh, on the Good Times 3. We had fun, again, at the, the end of summer cookout. Um, the bowling, Tracy uh, keeps talking about wanting to go bowling again, and, and we know there's much more ahead. So uh, <laughs> the socials and the different groups, uh, the I believe it's the weaving cultures or interweaving cultures, like that group, support group has been amazing. Um, just the kids just being able to see and, and recognize like, oh, their skin is brown like mine. And like, yeah, and look at their parents. Their skin is peach too. Like, and just... It's just been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience for us. So the you guys are doing a great job there with those. Um, while we're talking about, let's talk about the different service areas. There's four different service areas um, that the Adoption Network offers with, and then different programs within each of those service areas. So if you want to hit on like one or two programs from each First being uh, adult adoptees, birth parents, and DNA discoveries. I think we kind of hit on some of those a little bit, but if you want to hit on like one or two of those uh, programs there, just kind of rehash a little bit of what the services are for for that. Absolutely. Um, The adult adoptee, birth parent, and DNA discovery arm of our work is um, centered in peer support groups. We we have uh, five we call them general discussion meetings, which are support groups for anyone with a connection to adoption. Four of them are virtual every um, every Thursday, the first mm. through fourth Thursday of each month online. And then we have one that's in person that we just started up again um, that is um, in the office. And that um, our next one actually is um, tonight. And that will be at the, that'll be at our office. Um, and then we also offer two unique or two um, designated groups, one for birth mothers and then one for people who have had DNA discoveries. Um, mm. The birth mother support group, it's a, a unique group of women who really um, are able to you know, be together and understand each other and process through some of their losses and experiences. Mm. Um, and the DNA discovery group came out of the um, commercial DNA testing and so many people who have found relatives they didn't know they had or discovered that their parent, um, you know, maybe their father wasn't the father they grew up with 
um, mm. you know, different surprises that come along with that, that can be very um, jolting to a human who can, after you <laughs> think your life is one way for a long, long time and then discover there's something new about it. Um, so those groups are offered, you know, every month and are available. Um, and then um, for families and youth, I think we've talked about the family and youth programming a little bit so far, but that this is something where we have um, quite a few different services there that, that we do the weaving cultures program for transracial mm-hmm. families. Um, we offer a, an in-person program each month called the family gathering, which is a community meal followed by breakout sessions, peer support group for the parents, for teens, for the younger kids. Um, and that's a lot of fun. We have a, we have a full house and we really enjoy that program. We also, um, host, um, Ohio Can Adoption Kinship Navigators on our staff who support kinship families and adoptive families by sharing resources. We Mm. offer a a family resilience fund for emergency um, crisis financial needs for vulnerable families to do things like pay rent, keep the electricity on, um, you know, cover past due utility bills or food needs, trying to keep um, family systems intact where we can. You know, so those are all, you know, really great things that we do. We also, um, for education and community outreach, we have a Monday evening speaker series, which brings thought leaders from around the country um, to share, you know, different presentations, you know, from, you know, sometimes it's authors, sometimes it's thought leaders. It just depends on, you know, it's different every week and it's recorded. We actually have recordings of our Monday evening speaker series on our YouTube channel. It's a really dynamic program area. Mm. Yeah. And then yeah. Um, the advocacy public policy arm is something that's also really great. Betsy Norris, the founder of Adoption Network Cleveland, um, has been a leader in um, trying to access open records for people impacted by adoption. Um, and so, um, you know, it's been eight years since Ohio's records um, have been open and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're really excited about that work that's happened. We've also been working on um, public policy issues around fertility fraud, around keeping siblings who have been placed apart, connected to each other, um, you know, those types of issues that we work on in terms of just trying to be ethical and open and, you know, having people have access to their own information. Um, and that's something that, you know, we believe in and work towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout all of this, there's a helpline, I guess I should mention as well, that mm. um, anyone who wants to call in and has a question or is seeking resources and support, you know, we'll, we'll try to connect people to whatever, you know, we can in the community to help meet those needs. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, those are just one or two programs from each of those different areas of service, uh, which you covered very well. But, you know, honestly, it seems like if there's, any sort of question anyone has on adoption, whether they are a birth parent or an adoptee themselves, or, you know, looking about kinship, maybe they you know, somehow lost track of one of their family members because they went into foster care and they were looking to get them involved. I think uh, really calling that helpline, if it's not in one of those four core service areas, I know for a fact that you guys will do whatever you can to help get them to the next step. I have no doubt about that. 
And there was also, I wanted to share about our search program. Um, we have a genetic genealogist on staff who is super knowledgeable about how to help mm. people find information that they're looking for. Um, mm. And so that's also a service that we offer is, you know, there's a whole team of search volunteers that work tirelessly to help, help people connect with their history and their information that they're looking for. And um, mm. yeah, so if, if that's a need that someone has, we can help with that as well. Absolutely. Now, in addition to looking for the services, uh, the Adoption Network also runs a lot on not only your staff, but a lot of volunteers and people helping financially or another way. There's So there's several ways to get involved. Um, if you could give me two. One, what's a simple way that someone listening today can get involved with minimum traction, something that they could do, whether it be a donation or whatever, just a simple way they can get involved. And then what's a way that's a little bit more involved, someone that really has a passion for adoption, maybe they're because they are a birth parent or an adoptee themselves. What's a way that they can get involved to help the Adoption Network at Cleveland? Great. Yeah, we're always, you know, we're thrilled when we do receive donations. We put those to good use. Um, you know, we'll use them for any number of things. But um, like right now, we're currently working on um, a capital campaign for our search program to grow that. And then also um, with our Family Resilience Fund, we do a lot of work with kinship families that are really um, close to the margin who, you know, get that phone call that says, you know, okay, grandma on a fixed income who's, you know, we're going to, we have your three grandkids here and, and um, we're going to ask, do you want to take them or would you like them to go into foster care? And so what do they do? They take in, you know, their household mm -hmm. quadruples, you know, their family budget is, is, you know, all of a sudden utilities are higher, food costs are higher, space is at a commodity, you have to figure out beds, you have to figure out dressers, you have to figure out clothing, mm -hmm. grocery bills higher. Um, and, and so a lot of these vulnerable families, you know, are trying to meet the needs of the kids and, um, you know, money is just tight. And so they get behind on bills or get behind on rent. Um, so our family resilience fund, we use to help those mm -hmm. types of things. But then we also, um, you know, if when families have those concrete needs, when we do get gift card donations, we'll use those to help families with some of those really mm -hmm. basic needs for their kids, like getting them clothing, getting them school supplies, getting them a bed or, you know, a coat or whatever it is. So um, whenever people donate those types of things, that's a really great way to help concretely, you know, keep a family together and, you know, keep kids placed with their family. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's something that, you know, it can just have such a big impact. Um, so any, any of those types of things are always welcome. And um, we have volunteers who help um, Karen Wyman with the search program. If, if someone has mm -hmm. some, you know, genetic genealogy background, that's always welcome. Our family gathering mm -hmm. uses volunteers for babysitting. We have some, mm -hmm. some of the cutest kids in town that come to that. And, you know, we have so much fun, but we have to have, you know, folks that can watch the littles and, you know, some that can engage. We have everyone in different age groups. And so we need volunteers to help with, you know, providing some really fun activities for the kids. And so if anyone has an interest in babysitting, come on down. We'd love to meet you. Uh, there's always awesome. great ways to get involved there. Great. That's awesome. Um, again, National Adoption Awareness Month. Are there any large upcoming events uh, that people can get involved in? Um, 
and ongoing events to get involved in. Again, you mentioned the speaker series that has a lot of information uh, that's on Monday nights, usually, and those are on YouTube. Uh, but I, I do believe I saw that there is a large dinner next week that is um, for the, I believe, the, the yearly dinner that the Adoption Network has, I believe, is next week. And then any other like large things for both Adoption Awareness Month or even the anniversary of the Adoption Network. What kind of stuff is upcoming and ongoing? Well, yeah, we have the the annual meeting is next Thursday night at our office. Uh, that will be a wonderful celebration of everything we've done over the past year. I always look forward to that meeting. It's great to see everything we've accomplished. Um, and then this Thursday, we have our family gathering for any any adoptive families out there um, or foster families who'd like to come and join us for dinner. We have um, a speaker coming to talk about block parenting, um, and we have someone who's doing um, the uh, a drumming program for the kids. Mm. And um, so it's going to be really nice to you know it'll be a fun program if anyone's interested in that. Um, next week on um, Thursday night. Is it next week? Yeah, we are two weeks. I'm sorry. We have um, Southern Tier is sponsoring um, for Adoption Awareness Month. They're, um, they've graciously opened up their, um, their bar for the whole month of November for anyone who purchases an adoption ale, we get a buck. Um, and it's next Friday, I apologize, um, that we're doing that um, every day on Friday, all day, any handhelds or purchases of adoption ale, um, a dollar's donated to adoption network Cleveland. So if you're local and are going out to dinner that night, that'd be a great destination where you can support us while you're having a meal and having a beverage. Um, awesome. yeah, so this, they've been really, they called out of the blue, I guess they have a connection to adoption and we're really happy to have them on board hmm. and help us out that way. Awesome. I will have to, uh, make sure I post that in our socials as well and publicize yeah. it. So, um, and then, all right, well, that's pretty much I have covered. Is there anything else that you feel like we missed that you would like to make mention before we get into a little fun speed round? I think that's about it. We've covered a lot, haven't we? <laughs> we have. We have. I, and I, I threw some extra questions at you that just kind of came out of the blue that I did cover with you before in the pre, pre, uh, episode interview so sure. um so well hey let's do some speed round okay. all right uh so whatever comes first off your mind and and we'll just kind of roll with it first of all coke or pepsi coke zero coke zero. hey you know what i could get behind that i'm a, I'm a coke zero <laughs> person myself so um I, I like zero sugar for either one of them but coke zero is uh, definitely better than Diet Coke. Less as well. chemicals. It I know it has chemicals and it tastes less chemically, I guess. That it? That's the way to put it. Coffee? <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee before 6 a.m., tea after 2 p.m. Okay. I, that's fair. Uh, best uh, food choice Mexican, Chinese, or Italian? Mexican. Okay. That's, man. Ty, you and I are on the same level here. Uh, better family outing event, bowling or putt-putt? Bowling. Okay. What is the What has the better payoff 
for the amount of work when it comes to holiday, Thanksgiving or Christmas? Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, for a family vacation, beach or mountains? Yes. <laughs> uh, Ty, you're on point here. Uh, when you are on a time crunch to feed your family, which you feel the least guilty about serving them? Fast food, pizza, chicken nuggets, or mac and cheese? Pizza. Okay. I, I'm cool with that too. <laughs> and last but not least, best way for people to contact the Adoption Network of Cleveland? Oh, you can call us on the helpline. You can email us. The, um, the contact us on the website is a great way to reach out. All of our staff are on the staff tab. You can call me directly. I'd love to talk with anyone who wants more information. Um, Mm -hmm. We're active on social media, wherever wherever anyone wants to find us, we're probably there. And I will be sure to include those various ways in the show notes. Ty, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time, answering all these questions, sharing all this wonderful information and about the different services available. And again, to those listening, just make sure that if you have any questions at all, if you didn't hear it in this episode about the services or ways to get involved, contact them. They have answers and ways to help you. So please don't hesitate. Ty, thank you so much for your time and and just being here with me today. I appreciate Thanks for it. having and for, me. And for everything you guys do over there at Adoption Network. You guys have been priceless when it comes to our journey. And we look forward to continuing to be a part of the Adoption Network family as well. We love it. Those kids are adorable. We're so happy to have you guys as part of our group. Well, we're happy to be part of it. For everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, as you can see, as the Adoption Network addresses the triad of the adoption family, you could be a a birth parent, you could be an adoptee yourself, you could be a kinship provider or be part of the family. It doesn't matter how your family is formed or even how your family might have come apart, there are still ways for that family to come back together because we are born into our names, but we become family by heart. Until next time.